views and opinions expressed on Explorer Secrets of the Truth or that of their guests or contributors are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent. All information on Explorer Seekers of the Truth is provided in good faith, however, we make no representation or warranty of any kind, expressed or implied, regarding the accuracy, adequacy, validity, reliability, availability, or completeness of any information on this talk show or website. From monsters and ghosts to other worldly beings, join the explorers as they venture into the darkest realms seeking the truth to what goes on in the night. Good evening and welcome to Explorer Seekers of the Truth, episode 66. World's mm. strangest alien abduction cases. Tonight, as always, I'm joined by my best friend and co-host, Les Sincavich. How are you this evening, Les? Well, you froze up there, so I don't know what you said after you said that you're joined by me. It just froze up and I couldn't hear a word you were saying, so I'm assuming you asked how I'm doing um and the answer to that is uh could be better uh, apparently we are not live on facebook as always technical difficulties uh we are live hopefully on youtube so i did uh text my wife and ask her to put a post on facebook stating that we couldn't go live um, i already did okay all right good so i i just saw somebody posted something from facebook so i don't know if we are live or if we're not live i have no idea but uh if you could hear us on facebook it might be best to travel over to our youtube channel uh so yeah um and as always i guess i'll go to where you can find us you can find us live on youtube hopefully you can find us live on facebook sometimes or you could just contact us on youtube and facebook you can find us on x or formerly twitter at explorers group our website explorersgroup.com um whichever platform you're watching us live on if you comment under the show we should hopefully be able to see your comments live and we should be able to comment back to you providing everything works because as always nothing goes as planned on this show Nothing ever happens the way we want it to, but hopefully that's where you're seeing us. Hopefully you are seeing us, and that's how you could reach us while you're on there. Now, oh, I do see. Is that you that says it's playing yeah. from Facebook? Okay, so apparently we are live on Facebook. I don't know. It was telling me that we couldn't access Facebook. So, <laughs> you know what? No, it's not showing it up on that we're on Facebook, but we are yeah, on it, Facebook. Exactly. On the back end, for those of you who are watching live, on our back end uh, uh, interface, it's saying hey, that hey, Facebook, hey, hey, on your back end, on my back end. Yes, it is saying that uh, we are not live on Facebook, but if we are fantastic, if not, I apologize. So that said, Chad, do you want to tell everybody what uh, we'll be talking about today? Well, tonight we're going to be talking about some of the 
stranger alien abduction cases. But as always, we always try to find those like lesser known stories. We don't like we we do cover some of the major cases, but we like to dig in and kind of find those weird, you know, seldom heard of yeah. stories. So that's what we'll be looking into tonight. Now, some of them are popular, but they aren't the mainstream, you know, super high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I do see that uh, Josh and Cindy are are commenting from Facebook. So thank you guys for doing that. So we know that you are able to see us live. And thank you, as always, for tuning in. Um, so like Chad said, we're, you know, uh, we're covering some of the more lesser known uh, abduction cases. And in past shows, which you could go back on Facebook, on our website, or Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Play, Amazon Music, you could find the, the archive shows on any of those um, media to listen to some of the old shows. We covered Betty and Barney Hill. We covered the Travis Walton case. And this time we wanted to discuss some that are not as mainstream as Chad had said. So you wanna go to the first case that we'll be covering tonight, yeah. buddy? So we're gonna head back to October 11th, 1973. I'm gonna kind of do this as we used to do it as a story. I like that, I like that. We'll bring that back. So we're fishing the west bank of the Pascagoula River in Jackson County, Mississippi, when we hear a whirling, whizzing sound and see two flashing blue lights and observe an oval-shaped object 30 to 40 feet or 9 to 12 meters across and 8 to 10 foot or 2 to 3 meters high. We are unconscious. We are conscious but paralyzed while three creatures with robotic slit mouths and crab-like pincers take us on board the object and subject us to examination. Dum, dum, dum. So this is what 42-year-old Charles Hickson and 19-year-old Calvin Parker told the Jackson County, Mississippi Sheriff's Office. And the uh, Pascagoula is a city in Jackson City, Mississippi, or Jackson County, Mississippi, I'm sorry, in the United States. And it's also the birthplace of the late Jimmy Buffett. Now, you also can't forget the most famous person. Who's that? From Pascagoula. Uncle, Uncle Elmer from the WWF. Oh, yeah, Uncle Elmer. Be with, with Hillbilly Jim and them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a nice blast from the past. Yeah, I, I actually had to look that up. I, uh, so. Uncle Elmer, God, that's an oldie but a goodie. So now after this abduction, both Hickson and Parker, they both passed lie detector tests at different points and were even mm -hmm. questioned under hypnosis. Okay. Uh, investigators are on the record as saying the pair's stories never really wavered from mm -hmm. their original accounts. Now, over the years, details did you know, kind of come to front of memory and kind of got put into stuff, but the story never changed. It was just like right. they remembered something about the room they were in or mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the taste or the sound. So little details may have come front of mind at that point, but their story never actually changed. Well, I mean, that's understandable because, I mean, think about just, our general memories from childhood and stuff like mm -hmm. that you 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 remember tidbits you you and, and as time goes on you kind of remember it slightly different or a certain smell or a 
object or a place might trigger something that kind of goes a little bit deeper into the the psyche and you're like oh yeah yeah that you know so it's still the same but slightly different so that i mean that makes sense especially over 40 some years you know yeah yeah but um in uh yeah what do you think about it too like go ahead Oh, well, like you were saying, like when you're a kid, every house yep, always seems yep. so much bigger. And then you grow up and go back to that house and you're like, oh my God, how do we all fit in this house at any given point? Mm -hmm. Except for the old apartment back in college. Every time I go back there, I'm like, God, it seems bigger than the last time I was here. Which that place yeah, was always bizarre. I was going to say, it's just because it's bizarre and it just feels that way all the time. Uh huh. So in 2019, Maria Blair came forward after 45 years. On that same October night, Blair was near the river waiting for her husband, Jerry, to leave on a boat to work offshore. Jerry fell asleep and Maria saw a strange blue light streaking back and forth. She didn't think much of it until the next day when she heard about Parker and Hicken's story. So her husband, Jerry Blair, was quoted saying, when she would talk about it, I'd tell her to shut up. People are going to think you're crazy. Which is a very common thing for people, especially back then. Uh, it, this sort of thing wasn't as commonplace as it is now with the whole, you know, uptick of paranormal shows. So back then you, I mean, religion was a lot bigger and a lot more prominent in, in, you know, communities back then. So you didn't want to talk about anything strange. You didn't want to be deemed a weirdo back then. Yeah. You know? I mean, well, yeah. And also it wasn't, it wasn't in vogue to be, one of these people you know mm -hmm. a, a ufo contactee witness or anything like that it was kind of you know hey keep your mouth shut you didn't see what you what we saw just just let it go don't bring it up right so right. you know also in the same year that she came forward back in 2019 the city of pascagoula and jackson county's historical society and the main street pascagoula which is like a little civic business group um, mm -hmm. They actually erected a historical marker at Lighthouse Park, which describes the events of that night. Hmm. Now, one of the sad things is uh, Mr. Hickson had died in 2011, so he would never get to see the marker, hmm. which That's describes his encounter as, yeah. you know, one of America's best documented cases of alien abductions. But uh, Mr. Parker, though, was still alive and he was there. And he, you know, he told the WLOX News how much it meant to be finally be recognized after years of ridicule. Ridicule. <laughs> so that we're wrong. <laughs> so he said, for, and this is his direct quote from that news article. Um, it is emotional for me. I can't really describe it because I, I would break out in tears if I do. And he said, I wish when I die, I could be buried right here underneath the plaque that would explain it best. It's quite an honor. Yeah. Well, I could imagine but, after 40 some years of having that pent up to finally get that kind of retribution, I guess, for lack of better terms, to, to you know, go from being, you know, the, the town kook to finally being accepted and, and people being like, yeah, you know what, this, this is legit. This is something that they actually experienced. Well, yeah, I mean, it would definitely be, you know, an honor in that sense, at least, you know, people may not believe you, but at least there's enough of a case there for them to put something there to say, Hey, 
this may or may not have happened, but this is the story and this is about where it happened. Right. So right. do you want to bring up a few of those pictures? Like yeah. um, a picture of the alien that they claimed. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is kind of the shot of them by the river and the creatures coming up. And I, I think that's supposed to be the craft in the background. <laughs> yeah, I think that or some kind of weird eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, that, that's kind of, I was like, is that an eyeball or a craft? But yeah, so I mean, you can kind of see there the depictions with the kind of um, covered head or, or, you know, kind of don't like, not dome shaped, but like a... Um, the pointy outings on the head and the kind of just like almost reminds you of like some kind of suit being worn over top of it, like a masked, you know, yeah, suit. Yeah. the hands with the uh, thumb and almost like crab, like, you know, hands there. And I, I'll bring tall. up another, I'll bring up another picture. Cause this, this, this is more depicting the scene of what they were mm -hmm. experiencing, but let me, let me bring up the other one quick. And, uh, It'll give more a better representation of, of the look of the creatures. Now, I was going to say, the funniest thing about the first photo, though, if you look at the two guys that they have depicted as Parker and Hickson, mm -hmm. it looks like the two guys that are fishing in Jaws that tie the, that use the wife's uh, meat rump roast or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's what they look like. I just realized well, that when I was looking there. That whole picture looked like a really piss poor Photoshop job. So, I mean, it could be, it could very well have been that as, yeah. as like a kind of line arty kind of representation of them. Yeah. So, you, you know, you see there, they're saying it was approximately six foot tall, which is, you know, relatively not that tall, even, you know, in, I mean, it's about, little bit above average for a human mm -hmm. um and if you look at it like look at the hands how they're kind of that crab like pincer claw even the feet too in this in this representation yeah. almost has like a so no, like a like a slug or snail kind of eye thing going on there yeah it's kind of weird like it has three like protru um protruding facial things like you would think like ears and a nose or something. I don't know. It, it's very bizarre. Yeah. So now looking at that, it is, you know, very interesting. And it kind of, if you notice, it does kind of, the representation has a lot of human quality to it though. Yeah. Like if you look at like the abdomen, how it separates from the chest a little bit, yep. how it has what appear to be elbow and knee joints. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, so bring up that the the bio suit picture okay. for me, please. Okay, so that's an IDA fifty nine Russian rebreather suit. Mm -hmm. Okay, so look at the two things hanging off the head. Looks very much like those snail protrusions. Yep, and then look at the one in the front, the metal capped one. Yep. Right. Then look at the gloves. Very crabby. Yeah. Pincery. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that's what it is, but that's a Russian, like I said, it's a Russian IDA 59. Right. Well, if you it go, looks it, all, it looks very similar. I'll bring the other one. I mean, look at like the neck area underneath the protrusions and stuff. It, it looks very loose. And even around like the belly and stuff like that, it, it almost looks like loose fabric. Yeah. Like baggy skin. 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it, to me, it, it very well fits the bill with the, um, hold on, let me bring it back up. Yeah. So of this thing. Now that, like I said, is a Russian IDA 59, right? Mm-hmm. What's to say these two gentlemen were not abducted, but not abducted mm-hmm. by aliens. They are fishing on the coast on a river, right? During the seventies, during the height of the Cold War. True. How do we know this isn't a Russian psyop? Could be. So they're really, they're really abducted. They really see this thing. There's some kind of neurotoxin used, some mm-hmm. kind of you know agent to create some paranoia, LSD, whatever it may be, right? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they're put through these examinations. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they take some samples, you know, whatever they're looking for. Maybe they're looking for radiation, mercury, something in these coastal people mm-hmm. to give them some sort of advantage. Or maybe they were looking for something we might have lost. They got that close to the coast. They figure let's abduct these two guys. Like they they seem like they're local. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, grab them, pull them on some ship, make them think it's an alien abduction. So now again, it goes back to what we talked about the War of the World scenario. We create this panic where now we have to share all of our technology. Well, of course, Russia says we have, we have, we have. As we've seen, they never have. Or they have, yeah. but it's not what they claim. It's not hypersonics. It's not this. It's not that. So maybe this is part of that war of the world scenario where they're just conducting psyops to get us thinking again. You know, if if Roswell was a psyop, what's to say this wasn't? You know, I'm pinning this on the Russians. Maybe it's also a test of our coastal security by americans you know hey let's try to infiltrate this area create this panic see how local law enforcement the state the government the the governor the local military bases how they handle and respond to this Mm -hmm. so we know if hey something does happen here we know what the response is going to be like you know it's a prepared test you know it's never 100 percent rule out that we wouldn't do things like this oh yeah you can't rule anything like that out you know there's a certain uh a certain three-letter agency that likes to do things like that (laughs) (laughs) right that's that's very true cia yeah Yeah, i mean i shouldn't have said that out loud because now they're going to start fucking with our our uh, signal the yeah. Lord knows every time we start that. talking about that, the show drops out. Yeah. So, I mean, it, and also I'm not saying it couldn't have been aliens. You know, yeah. I'm just looking at some, we could present reasonable things that could be the answer and not necessarily extraterrestrial. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it could well be just have been an alien abduction. I mean, other people, you know, claim to be abducted. These guys went 
you know, their entire lives with the same story about it. Like I said, it doesn't mean it's not, it, it doesn't mean it was an alien. It just means something happened to them that stuck in their head. Right. As right. you know, aliens. I mean, there was a countless plots of things where people think they've been abducted, but it's really, you know, people doing testing and stuff like that over the years. True. True. Or, I mean, because look at the, the, the Patterson-Gimlin film, you know what I mean? Gimlin has stuck to that story since 67, you know, and he, he's pretty much unwavered. It may not have been a Bigfoot. It may not have been an alien abduction, but it was real mm. to what they experienced. And, and if their mind at the time built it to be, oh, it was this crab-clawed, snail eye whatever you know bipedal uh creature so in their mind their their mind's eye their memory that's what they saw that's what they experienced that that was real to them mm -hmm. you know yeah. what i mean so yeah it, it, here's the thing like if, if something happens to you mm -hmm. well and you, you you witnessed it you experienced it you've had the 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 um senses you know all your senses are part of this it to them it was an abduction whether right. we sit here 45 50 you know 45 almost 50 years later and can come up with 20 plausible answers to them it was an abduction they lived their right, entire right. life under the impression they, they were abducted by aliens. So right. I, to me, they were abducted by something, someone, something. But it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that we're right, that they were right. Yeah, I'm just <clears throat> presenting some kind of logical conclusion so I don't have to put tinfoil on. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, they saw what they saw. They stuck to it. What they experienced is what they believe happened. Uh, and, and especially, I mean, to your point with like the Cold War during that time, it could have absolutely have been some sort of a covert operation or, or, or test to see, you know, A, B or C. But, uh, but again, I don't know. That, that's not for us to decide. But it is an interesting story nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Uh, of um, encounter slash abduction, so we wanted to cover it. Uh, moving on to the next story, um, we're going to be talking about Elizabeth Clare, and this goes back to um, 1956. This was in South Africa. Uh, this woman publicly claimed to have been contacted by aliens multiple times between 1954 in 1963, the first visitation supposedly occurred when she was seven years old, and she was one of the first women to claim a sexual relationship with an extraterrestrial, which is interesting. Hmm. So she's also one of the first people to promote the idea of a better world and belief in a cosmic consciousness. In her book, Beyond the Light Barrier, uh, she strived to convey the message of peace, love, understanding, and environmentalism. Um, she created this um, 
credited this to the superior wisdom of the advanced and immaculate utopian Venetian uh, civilization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and in 50, 1954, Claire's sister May relayed to her that the native Zulu people were reporting appearances of the lightning bird in the sky. So in response, Elizabeth and her children traveled from Johannesburg to the farm, and she ascended these, this flying saucer uh, hill the following day. <laughs> the local Zulu people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the lightning bird. If anybody knows if Credo Matua is still alive, please let me know. I'd love to get him on the show. <laughs> that would be interesting, right? Yeah. So now, uh, December 27th of, yeah, 1954, she claimed to have been claimed to have seen a starship descend. It hovered three meters above ground, emitting only a soft hum. Its hull spinning through, um, through its central dome remained uh, stationary. So okay. basically the outer parts are spinning. The inner part is a stationary dome. Mm -hmm. Now, this is where it gets interesting. <laughs> Akon. Not the rapper. Or, or R&B artist or whatever he is. Yeah. The spaceman was supposedly clearly visible through one of the three portholes, but a barrier of heat that emanated from the ship prevented her from approaching, and his scout ship soon again departed. Okay. So the, this is where I'm kind of confused. The, the This craft this the thing that was spinning and there was the dome stationary dome was that the primary ship or was that his scout ship you know that's the whole thing like she she revert or goes as you we read through these parts because this is several different you know sightings and stuff like that yeah and there's far more to this than what we even cover too yeah there um she talks about like different ships at different times and like mm. seeing one ship, but then she'll say like scout ship, but she doesn't yeah, reference like there's a mother ship. Yeah. Yeah. Like she doesn't really reference, you know, how it comes out as the different, if it's one ship that she's referring to, or if it's like several small ships and a big ship at one time. Mm -hmm. But uh, the funny thing but is in, Akon, in this, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You, I was going to go no. off on something. There. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, well, you can, but I, I guess my, the, so there's three portholes on this scout ship that she's able to see this guy from. So I'm assuming this is where he's manning this craft, right? So she sees him through these three, one of the three portholes. But this ship is creating a barrier of heat that she can't get to it. And, and I'm assuming this craft is, on the ground at this point, if she's trying to walk up to it. Well, she was saying about it hovering. Um, just uh, three meters above the ground to what twelve okay. foot. All right. Yeah. So she's That's trying weird. to approach it, but go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I'm going with you on that. Like, it's kind of weird. If something's twelve foot off the ground, what were you hoping? Like. It's even right. if you stood directly under it, it's still 12 feet above you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, that's kind of 
ballsy on her part to see this craft just kind of, you know, I mean, it's something that you do not see every day, something that doesn't fit any description known, especially at that time in what, what would we say was 54 ish? Yeah. Right, uh, yeah. You don't see anything like that around that time. So it, to, to just be like, Oh, I'm going to go walk up and check this thing out. I think is kind of brave on her part or crazy. Yeah, well, here's the thing, too. Remember, her sister had told her in May of 54 about the Zulu seeing the lightning birds in the sky. Mm -hmm. And then she traveled, like, the next day to go to the area where these things were seen. Right. So right. clearly she's neither very brave or she had some kind of emotional draw or uh -huh. subconscious draw to this this place or you know to this specific alien group true which i think might kind of come to light later on in this story it, it may it may yeah yeah so uh let's see okay so on april 7th in 1956 she visited the hilltop again after further reports of the lightning bird this time, Akon took her aboard his scout ship, a craft some 60 feet or 18 meters in diameter. Inside, she met a second pilot, a stocky uh, and darker skinned than Akon, who was supposedly a botanist as well as an astrophysicist. And she was allegedly shown a lens that offered views through the craft's floor and with only a hum emitting from below and no sense of movement, they were transported to the enormous cigar-shaped mothership, which had a garden-like interior, which is interesting again as well, which kind of answers some of those questions of, you know, how do they last so long in space mm -hmm. if they have their own garden? Yeah, or, or the ship itself is biological. Which we talked about in a different yeah. show as well. Yeah. yeah. So that it would definitely, if it was a biological ship garden, you know, growing and replenishing and having its own environment, it would, you know, probably be the easiest way of traveling. True. True. Because, yeah. I mean, think about it with that humming noise, <clears throat> excuse me, um, like a, mycelium like uh like fungus fung mm -hmm. fungi mushrooms and stuff like that through their root systems they emit some sort of a hum and it, you could even some people would attach like uh electrodes to it and attach that to a speaker and they actually can produce almost like a biological music which is actually kind of interesting so i mean this kind of if this is a biological craft uh, to, of, of sense you know that would kind of make sense that it would emit this kind of tone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, definitely would make sense for mm -hmm. what, you yeah. know, in that sense of it all. Now, this is where it gets all juicy and titillating. Ooh, go on. During the encounter, kisses were exchanged, and Akon revealed to Elizabeth that she was, in fact, a reincarnated, reincarnated Venetian, a long-lost soulmate. She further explained that they occasionally took Earth women as partners as the offspring strengthened their race with an infusion of new blood. Ah. 
He also claimed that a number of Venetians were serendipitously living amongst human beings. Mm, so secretly hiding amongst us? Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And also the infusion of new blood into their race. Mm -hmm. Which mm -hmm. coincides with last week's, or the last show we had. I can't say last week's because yeah. it was quite a few weeks ago. Yep. So from 545 on April 30th of 1956, various observers noted a steady red glow poised at a rocky section of a hill which remained there until about 2 a.m. in the morning, yet mm -hmm. no sign of fire could be found afterwards. So people are witnessing some kind of light in this area, mm -hmm. you know, similar being a, um, a red glow. So you would think fire, you know, heat. Of course, yep. yep. They go and go to look at it, and there's no burnt, there's no, you know, charcoal, there's no nothing left to indicate fire you know that's kind of interesting because just a couple of nights ago uh leslie and i took the kids out i don't remember where the heck we were going i think i don't know if we were running a walmart or what but we went up over the broad mountain right next to where we live and when we were going across the top out in the distance we were clearly able to see what looked like almost like a like a wildfire but it was really rainy and everything, so I wouldn't imagine that a wildfire would have been able to been that active. But I mean, it, it looked like it looked like a fire out in the top of the mountain. I saw it, Leslie saw it, the kids saw it. I'm like, look at what is that? Blah, blah, blah. And we didn't stop or anything. We kept going. And then after we got so far, we couldn't see it because of the trees. But um, on our way back, I'm like, hey guys, look back, you know, out in the distance. It was gone. I mean, whatever it was, was covering a large portion of the mountain. And if it were a fire, there's no way it could have been extinguished within the amount of time that we went up and, and back. Yeah. And we couldn't find it. I mean, it was a massive part of the mountain. So I don't know. Maybe we saw maybe we saw a uh, UFO. Maybe you saw Akon. <laughs> maybe. It was Akon, Akon and the Dweebs or whatever. Wasn't it a cartoon, Rude Dog and the Dweebs, back in the 80s? Do you remember that one? No. Is it only me? No? You don't remember Rude Dog and the Dweebs? No, that might have might have just been in your imagination, buddy. <laughs> it was a real cartoon. One, okay. one of the one of the the, the, the lesser known cartoons of the 80s. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh well, on July 17th in 1956, after their family farm was sold. Claire revisited the area and claimed to have taken a series of seven photos of Akon's scout ship using her sister's or daughter's simple brownie box uh, camera. She claimed that the vivid light flashes turned into a dull gray craft enveloped in a shimmering heat haze. And then uh, and for about an hour, the disc darted silently over a rise near the farmhouse, making several weaving detours and shone like silver in bright sunlight before streaking away out of sight. And Edgar Sievers, a ufologist from Pretoria, said that Claire's family saw her leave the homestead alone and suggested that the frail Elizabeth would have found it difficult to throw a car hubcap and photograph it at the same time 
He also stated that no type of hubcap was known to uh, sufficiently resemble the disc in her photos, which I couldn't find any of the photos before the show went live. But I do have a picture here of Elizabeth and Akon. Akon. Akon, the spaceman. And one of the things, too, that went along with this story was that Akon supposedly took her aboard for four months took her to his planet of Alpha Centauri, where she gave birth to his alien child. So that's Elizabeth Clare and Akon. Yeah. So this kind of fits the bill to a lot of the, the stories we covered with different alien species, uh, encounters, and whatnot. It, you know, you have the First witnessing, so I guess it would be a close encounter of the first, second, third, fourth kinds. So it kind of runs the whole gauntlet here um, up until abduction taken off of our planet to their planet and then uh, reproducing. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what happens supposedly to the offspring because it did say that, you know, she visited uh, the hill with her children. Were they children of her earthbound or terrestrial husband or were they children with her and akon there is a book out there um oh god I, I i lost where i put the name of it um something about like well there if you search her name um you could find the book um that tells far more in depth of her story rude Do uh, alicia posts Rude Dog and the Dweebs ran for one season in 1989. It was based on the clothing for Rude Dog. That there you go. There is. Your I, I remember the, the clothing, but I don't remember a cartoon going with. It. Oh yeah, they were very cheesily drawn, like triangle-shaped heads and stuff like. It was like Rude yeah. Dog and the Dweebs was the theme music. I watched all cartoons back in the day. I'm gonna say, <laughs> <laughs> but. All right, so where are we going next? Oh, let's see. Next few cases we're going to discuss can be found on finding... What is that? Dul Dulcinea. Dulcinea? I, yeah, it, I, it's, it's a very weird site. Yeah. It's a weird name, I should say. Yeah. Um, and we'll start with the Antonio... Villas Boas case of 1957. Mm -hmm. Antonio Villas Boas presents one of the earliest and most intriguing accounts in the annals of alien abduction. Annals, folks, annals, not annals. Let's say, I'll not make that connection. That <laughs> <laughs> no, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be un unheard of. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I okay, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> he was a Brazilian farmer known for his startling encounters with extraterrestrials dating back to the 1957. Mm -hmm. The 1957, back in the day. Right, right. Boas claims he was abducted while working late on his farm. After glimpsing an unidentified flying object, he described being taken aboard by humanoid beings who looked very unlike humans. Mm -hmm. hmm. According to Bohas, 
These creatures wore gray clothing and communicated through a series of animal-like sounds. Interesting. Kind of makes me think of the movie Signs with like that insectoid kind of like that. I don't know if you could hear that or not. Yeah. But actually, like yeah. that clicking and whatnot. You yeah. know what I mean? I was about to throw a cup of water at you. <laughs> Come on. Let's, yeah. let's face it. That is the dumbest group of aliens ever. You are going to invade a place that's 70% the one thing that can kill you. Right. Right. Exactly. Why? Exactly. Why? Well, wasn't it, wasn't it uh, the Tom Cruise movie? War of the Worlds? Was that War of the Worlds? Well, War of the Worlds was a virus. That's unexpected. Right, which was found in, in water. It was like, uh, what was like, amoebas or something like that that ended up killing them off because of the the, the water in our, our atmosphere. No, I think it was originally pneumonia or uh, the flu. In, in the original War of the Worlds, it's the yeah, flu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, in, in the Tom Cruise one, I think it was something to do with the water and, and yeah. it killed them off. But but, but yeah. that that's unexpected. This this group of aliens knew water was a problem and still went to the one planet that is seventy three percent water. True, true, true. Not 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 so bright aliens there. Okay, M Night needs still a good movie though. The game. Oh, a yeah. great movie! I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. The, the big oh. twist being that they're scared of water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But back to Boas's story here. Inside the strange UFO, Boas asserted that he in, in, encountered human-alien contact of both frightening and intimate nature. An otherworldly female engaged him physically, leading many UFO theorists to suggest his this encounter was part of an extraterrestrial program to create a human-hybrid alien species. Again, this harkens back to our past show with the you know this constant need to uh procreate with humans to kind of reestablish the hardiness of our um physicality i guess because again people theorize we theorize that aliens are us in the future or a version of us in the future coming back to kind of reestablish uh things that they were lacking due to evolution. But um, Bowes' uh, narrative echoed common elements found within later cases, unexplained disappearances followed by unsettling alien encounters inside distinctively crafted spaceships. This case remains etched as one of history's mysteries uh, relating to the alleged extraterrestrial encounters. One of the things that kind of makes me scratch my head is if you're kind of you're taken up in this craft. So first of all, you're taken out of your complete environment where you're most comfortable, right? You're mm -hmm. taken aboard this alien spaceship approached by a otherworldly female creature being. So obviously it doesn't look like a female and it goes on to breed with like i don't know how excited i would be in that situation in order to even make the deed possible now that is in fact if they did do the deed how we would do the deed you know what i mean did they they may have extracted his stuff in other ways i, I don't know but i mean just the way it reads it almost sounds like i mean he engaged him physically Okay, so I have two statements. Okay. Uh, one being, depending on what part of Brazil he's from, 
an alien may have been a best option. <laughs> okay. That's, some parts that's of Brazil, they're, some parts of Brazil, they're not all that great looking. <laughs> um, also, we are not taking into effect that maybe they have alien Viagra. That's true. That's true. And who knows? I mean, maybe this alien creature, because I mean, look at Akon. He looked very human-like. You know what I mean? So maybe it was, um, maybe it was uh, attractive enough to make it happen. Okay. And also, one of our lovely fans here brings up working late on the farm is a euthanism for hitting the hooch and blacking out. We did not take into effect the thought process of DMT is legal in Brazil. DMT mm. will put you on some fucked up trips. True. DMT True. will also have you experience interactions with aliens and otherworldly beings. True. True. Was he doing DMT? It's well, was was that around back in the 50s? I mean, I I don't know much about it. DMT's been around for thousands of years okay the right, egyptians well, use dmt the brazilian the amazonian cultures they have dmt i think there's dmt found in asia every major society that's pre you know westernized civilization has some way of extracting dmt from some organic okay. matter all right so i i only ask because because I, don't, I don't know yeah i don't know the history of that but i i have heard that uh, drug used a lot in uh, oh mushrooms okay uh, I have heard heard that uh, used a Not lot in a lot of psilocybin psilocybin is mushrooms DMT is not the same oh well I, I again I he could have been doing that. mushrooms mushrooms could have yeah 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 but the DMT I I do I I did hear that DMT is used a lot that people use it a lot to kind of expand the mind to get to this sort of other plane of reality or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I mean, yeah. so I, I don't know, but, um, and yes, Cindy, I, I was trying to keep it PG. So I was stumbling there without trying to, to get too dirty, I guess, for lack of better terms. And, um, Cindy does have a question. Let me bring that up. So do you think stories from older times would seem to have more validity than current ones only because of technology and more creative ways to hoax? now um chad and i actually mentioned this a lot especially with the books that that we um read or keep in our library i know i am a big uh fan of buying the books from uh 50s 60s 70s and 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 earlier than that because i feel to your point this stuff was taboo back then this wasn't mainstream. This wasn't, you know, 800 shows on all the different streaming apps and whatnot of the same, you know, topic. So back then you, you kept this stuff under the rug. You didn't want to make this public. You didn't want to bring this to light. So I would say I would find more credibility in stories back from earlier days because of the fact that it wasn't mainstream. It was hush hush. So for people to get to the point to actually bring it to light or or have their stories told, yeah, I would say that there's a lot more credibility, and I, I would definitely, um, 
I would definitely try and and believe something from back then more so than now because nowadays you have so many people jumping on the bandwagon. I mean, hell, we're we're engulfed in it. You know what I mean? We we are all about this ourselves. And I and, and to your point with the technology and especially AI now, um, you can hoax anything. So the credibility of things nowadays. I, I, I find it hard to um, swallow um, and I am a lot more skeptical and I scrutinize things from nowadays more so than I do stuff from the past. So, yeah, I, I, I would say that in around to, to, to come full circle here, I would say I, I would find older stories to be more credible. What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, God, with all this CGI, AI, all this, I mean, I've seen probably 30 things like this Miami alien mall thing where people are posting this video of this creature walking across the boulevard in Miami. It's clearly some kind of AI CGI thing mm -hmm. walking the way it's walking and stuff like that. And they're saying... um that it's an alien that was at this mall where these kids got into this fight and you know da, 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 they got into a it wasn't a fight they were panicking and running from the aliens but yet there's video of these kids fighting right, right. the kids aren't running away they're running outside the mall and getting into other fights and then they ran down the street and robbed a guy of his car 50 some kids you know um yeah the older stuff even like the photos because it's so much harder to fake an old, old photo. Oh, God, yeah. You know, there, there'd be so many things that you could, you know, nowadays we could take the camera and reproduce, say, like, they were talking about that earlier case with the uh, hubcap. The only thing I didn't mm -hmm. like is they said she was so frail that she couldn't throw a hubcap. <laughs> take a photo of it. That was kind of like, then I'm like, well, why is this lady allowed out by herself in South Africa? Like, if she's that frail. Oh, yeah, you yeah, probably yeah. don't worry about the animals taking her. But, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, not only that, but I mean, to to your point, you don't have, you know, crazy high ISOs back then. I mean, you, you didn't have any kind of digital photography back then, period. You you had, yeah. you know, film. Do the film speeds even go that fast, you know, to, to catch something, to freeze frame it? You know, there are so many variables that you had to have in place just to take this perfect shot of something moving in the air that it, it's just, it, I don't know. It, it, it would be very difficult to fake that if you weren't a professional photographer back in those days. And most people that are in these situations weren't. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's oh, and Matt, weird. Matt uh, did uh, kind of back up. It, it was bacteria and world were, were of the worlds. So thank you, Matt. whatever uh i was just looking at where bohas's um abduction took place mm -hmm. yeah it's like way way down south mid middle brazil but it's way inland uh-huh so definitely probably a uh healthy amount of dimethyltryptamine <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, the ayahuasca. Makes, makes perfect sense. 
So, all right, let's jump on to the next one. And um, this one too came from that uh, findingdulcina.com. This one is uh, Kelly Cahill abduction of 1993. The Kelly Cahill abduction is one of the most perplexing cases in the history of alien abductions. In 1993, Kelly Cahill of Melbourne, Australia and her husband were driving home one night when they noticed a bright light descending from the sky in the Dandenog ranges near Belgrave, Victoria. As they got closer, they saw what appeared to be a landed spacecraft with strange beings surrounding it. Terrified, Kelly ran towards the craft and got to get a better look, which kind of goes against itself. She's terrified, so she runs towards it to get a better look. So before she knew it, she was overcome by an intense light and lost consciousness. When she woke up, hours had passed, and she found herself lying on the ground with her clothes in disarray. Which is I, not. I would just, I just also like to point out in the original War of the Worlds, it's pathogens. It does not say bacteria. Pathogens include viruses. Okay. All right. I, I just, just like to point that now, out. Now we got that extra clarification on War of the Worlds. I'm glad you did that deep dive. Yeah. I don't like to be wrong. <laughs> I know. That's why I love it. That's why I love you, buddy. That's why you always you're the you are the hardcore researcher. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so so, anyways, she was found, you know, on the ground with her clothes in disarray. Again, not uncommon with um obviously with alien abduction cases, because pretty much every one of these ended up with that same kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. Well, it is actually nine thirty. Okay, we we could we could keep going. We could got okay. we got to we we could finish this one out. Okay, so you know what makes this case uh, particularly intriguing is that there was four other independent witnesses claimed to have seen the same bright light at the same time as Kelly's abduction. Additionally, many medical tests were conducted on Kelly after the incident showed unusual physical signs that could not easily easily be explained. Mm-hmm. And to this day, the Kelly, uh, Kelly, well, Kelly Cahill. Yeah, it's a tongue twister. That quickly. Abduction remains unsolved, leaving many questions unanswered about what really happened that fateful night in 1993. Very true. Very true. So, again, we, we we're trying to cover strange abduction cases around the world, and... and uh, these ones are pretty strange and, and they're not the most commonplace. Now we do have, um, what does Josh say here? He says on that Miami situation, I have some friends in Florida. I question them wasn't on the news. They heard nothing about it. Yep. So it's, it's again, uh, probably like a bullshit AI thing that people were trying to pass off as being legit and again it just goes back to the point of you can't believe anything anymore because yeah. there, there's just way too many ways to to fake stuff so it is 9 30 and we do typically try and keep it to an hour but we have a couple more stories do we want to do one or two more i mean we could skip the one that we talked about before and save it for a show all by itself or do you want to end uh, it's, it's, it's your call. Let's do the more alien. Okay. All right. Take it away, buddy. 
So next is the Inkley Moore Alien from 1987. In 1987, an intriguing case of alien contact occurred on the Inkley Moore? Yep. Inkley? Inkley Moor is an area of moorland between Inkley and, and Knightley. Kylie. Kylie? Yep. Ugh. In West Yorkshire, England. I just don't like the way... It just looks like Knightley, like Kira Knightley. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Um, it is also known for its carved rocks, particularly the Swastika Stone, mm. which goes back to what we talked about in a past show and relating to other UFO activity around the rock carvings, petroglyphs, and so on and so forth. Yeah. There have been many UFO sightings on the moor. Skeptics have suggested that this is because of a nearby proximity of Menwith Hill Air Force Base and Leeds Bradford Airport. Now, we're going to use a pseudonym here for um, Philip Spencer's going to be the pseudonym. Mm-hmm had moved from London to the remote West Yorkshire with his wife and their child in order to be closer to his wife's family following his retirement from the police force. On the morning of December 1st, 1987, Spencer began walking across Inkley Moor to visit his mother-in-law in in East Morton. Father-in-law, but same thing. Yeah, well, he's going to see his mother. (laughs) In-laws. Brother-in-law. His in-laws all around. (laughs) Well... It was his mother, his wife's family, so he's most yeah. There you go. They're all in laws. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just had a good chuckle. Yep. (laughs) Um, He'd taken a camera with him as well as his compass in case there were was fog there on the old moors. Stay off the roads. Which that that uh, head scratcher. It's a foggy day, so. I can understand maybe the compass, but a camera. Well, if you're now, here's the thing: like, if you're in an area that has all these cool stones and stuff like that, like, okay. and it's also yeah, foggy. Yeah. Well, you think about it, you're you're in the photography, right? Yeah. yeah. If you went, say, to like um, a national park. And it was snowed or it was snowing currently, and you could take pictures of the monuments in the snow or mm. in a, like a nice fog or an early morning fog or something like that. True. Yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. you might do something like that. No, th- that didn't even click. So they have b- very good point. Very good point. Yeah. I mean, my, my biggest thing would always, I've always wanted to do is get photos of some of the um, Gettysburg monuments mm-hmm. yep. in the snow because they look so cool with the snow. You've got a few good ones. I remember that you sent me in the past. Yeah. Now, according to Spencer, he was walking up a small hill when he noticed an odd-looking figure just up the trail ahead of him. It was dark green and about four foot tall, with an oversized head and long, thin arms. The creature made a gesture at Spencer, which he took to be a gesture telling him to stay away. But he took out his camera and took a picture of it. The creature then ran away, and Spencer followed. He lost the creature in the fog but saw a craft rise from the moor and disappear into the sky. He described the craft as being of a whitish color and consisted of two saucer-shaped parts that were attached, with one being on top of the other. Hmm. There was also a loud hum. 
again. He did not take a photograph of the craft of horrors. Hmm. Rather, he continued on his plan route. Spencer headed to a, to the, another town that was about a half hour away. When he arrived, he discovered that he had that it was about two hours later in the day than he expected it to be. Additionally, the compass that he had taken with him was pointed in the opposite direction than it should have been. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, and again, that's another kind of commonplace with uh, navigational equipment always going, you know, haywire when uh, crafts are around, alien alien encounters occur and whatnot. Your uh, navigational devices go nuts. Like, it wasn't in... in uh, Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind, the movie, when all the stuff in the car and everything was spinning out of control and whatnot. So common, very common. Mm -hmm. And again, loss of time. And, you know, it, it's, it fits the bill. So, uh, but while the photograph was being examined, Spencer claimed that he experienced strange dreams. Following Hughes' advice, and um, Hughes was, uh, I, I don't remember... I can't remember who Hughes was. But anyways, following the advice, he attended a session of regressive hypnotherapy. This was carried out by Jim Singleton on March 16th of 88. Under hypnosis, Spencer's original account of the incident changed. Singleton has called it, 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 called it a genuine recall. So now uh, Spencer recalled that upon seeing the creature on the hill, he was instantly paralyzed. He was then lifted up a few feet and pulled into the craft. And again, this kind of goes back with this regressive uh, uh, hypnotherapy, how we remember things, you know, the, something could trigger uh, a deeper memory or a different memory and things could change. And again, he, there was loss of time. He lost consciousness, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, there's a lot of factors there that could have, you know, well, I don't really remember that because there were hours that had passed that he didn't remember. Um, but um he was then lifted a few feet and pulled into the craft. And then when he entered the craft, a voice told him to be calm. A group of green aliens then performed medical experiments on him, inserting items into his nose and mouth. He was given a tour of the craft and shown a film. The film was shown uh, apocalyptic imagery, including nuclear explosions, famines, and floods. Spencer was then shown a second film. He has never revealed the contents of the second film, saying that the aliens who abducted him do not want humanity to know. So following this, Spencer was returned to Ickley Moor and where he then took the famous photograph. He claimed that the alien was actually waving goodbye to him, not telling him to stay away as in his original account. And I do have a picture. This was the green being that he supposedly took a picture of while in the moor kind of a crappy picture but then again this was back in the 80s so you're probably not having the best of equipment while you're going out um just leisurely strolling around if you weren't a professional photographer so that was the ickley moore encounter so what do you think about that um it kind of being, you know, that there are these petroglyphs and stuff in that area. And, you know, you start to go back to like Celtic folklore and 
mythology and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost kind of reminds you some kind of like elemental type thing. Yep. Yep. You know, now again, elementals could be aliens, alien in a sense. Yeah. But yeah, it just kind of reminds me of like that whole, like just you get into that mythology of those places and it's, you know, there's a reason why those rocks were carved. Yep. You know, these people yep. didn't just pick random rocks in the middle of a moor to carve or, you know, a random area to build a henge or, you know, there was purpose behind all those, de- what we consider decorative things nowadays. Mm-hmm. There was a purpose to it. Maybe again, goes back to like we were talking you know, Clovis is closer to the actual Roswell craft site than Roswell is. We have petroglyphs all in that area. We had, yep. you know, other areas that we had high concentrations of petroglyphs. Pennsylvania and the Appalachian Mountains have a concentration of petroglyphs, have a concentration of UFO sightings. Out mm-hmm. in Africa and Australia, there's some areas that have some, you know, carvings, Aboriginal stuff like that. Mm-hmm that again have high ufo sightings right right now i think the second movie could have been pootie tang but that was definitely something because i mean <laughs> no human should be subjected to that that or like the first time you watch any quentin tarantino movie you really feel like Quentin owes you money and part of your life back. And then you watch it a second time. You're like, Oh shit, this is actually pretty freaking good. <laughs> oh, I, we walked, it's funny. We walked out of Inglorious Bathurst and I looked at my wife and I'm like, Quentin Tarantino owes me like three hours of my life back. Uh, I watched it a second time. I'm like, Holy shit, this movie is actually pretty good. <laughs> and now it's like one of my favorite movies. The more I watch it. Oh my God. I'll tell you one of his movies that I, I always really liked was from dusk till dawn with uh, George Clooney and him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that there was like the, the strip club out in the middle of nowhere in the desert. Titty and it was all vampires. Yeah. Titty twisters. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that movie. So do we want to do this last one? And we it'd probably take us till 10 o'clock and it'll be an hour and a half show. It's, it, there's not a lot to it. So we could probably wrap it up pretty quick. Yeah, what the hell? Let's do it. Do you just want me to, to read through the whole thing really fast and we could talk about it? Sure, go ahead. Okay, all right. So the last place is in 1969, the Berkshires UFO incident. And this, uh, this one is interesting because it involves and shocked an entire town. And according to uh, allthatisinteresting.com, when numerous residents of Berkshire County, Massachusetts, individually reported having seen a UFO on September 1st in 1969, authorities were at a loss for ex- an explanation. This wasn't a lone sighting induced by sleep deprivation that could have easily been dismissed. It truly appears as though something uncanny had occurred. On the evening in question, residents spotted lights above uh, Sheffield in the southern Berkshires. Many of the witnesses said that the lights were fitted to an unidentified disc-shaped craft that was maneuvering in unprecedented ways. Some witnesses claimed they lost track of time, Again, common theme throughout tonight, as they gazed with stunned fascination at the object. Thomas Reed was nine years old at the time, in the car with his mother, brother, and grandmother that night. The family noticed a group of glowing orbs dash out of the roadside trees. 
Reed claims that something astounding happened when heading home, his family approached Sheffield Bridge. It came to a stop off the right side of the road. He recalls of the glowing orbs. Everything got really calm. It was like being in the middle of a hurricane. There was like a barometric change in pressure, and it was just like a dead silence. Then there was an eruption of crickets and frogs, and it got really loud, and that was it. Then the family suddenly found itself back in the car, but they had inexplicably lost two hours of memory. Stranger still, Reed's mother and grandmother had somehow switched car seats. So despite any tangible evidence of the Berkshires UFO incident, Reed has remained steadfast in his account. He said over time, the family regained some memory of the incident, including having been to a hangar-like facility with other people. We encountered something, said Reed. It was definitely not of this world. This hangar thing we were, we were in was huge. It was larger than a football field. The hallway we had seen was circular with a Y configuration, almost uh, controlled the flow of traffic. And he said this one room had a bowed in wall that was rounded. It's important to remember that Reed was only one of dozens of people who reported witnessing a UFO in the Sheffield area that night. <clears throat> Excuse me. Some were adults who called into the local radio station to report the sighting. Others were children who began drawing UFOs in class. There must have been 20 or 30 sketches that were drawn by children in the fourth grade class um, from of what they saw, said Reed. They hung underneath the class board in Sheffield Center School. More than one of these hangs in the Roswell Museum today. People don't realize the significance of this. And so it wasn't just us. So what do you think about that? Sounds like, like a mass abduction in, you know, Sheffield area. Mm -hmm. I mean, for 20 to 30 some kids to be drawing the same thing. Now, don't get me wrong. If one kid starts drawing and another kid starts drawing it after seeing the other kid, that, you know. Yeah. But if these were even... 15 independent drawings and then 15 more were just kind of copying it mm -hmm. you still have like 15 people 15 kids who are fourth grade and they're drawing the same images right i mean and all the all the weird criteria fit the alien abduction phenomena the right you know the the silence and then all of a sudden coming to or or the next thing you remember you hear all the animals you hear all the noise around you the odd thing is they misplaced grandma and mom yeah like You would think in most cases, if you were grabbing, say, five people in a car, mm -hmm. male, female, right? You would kind of remember male driver seat, younger, the two females, passenger seat, older female back seat, two male, you know, juveniles next to each other. Now you mm -hmm. might screw up one or the other, the kids, but like aged adults, you would kind of think you would 
especially if you're an alien, you've flown across time and space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You think you remember that, but that's also what makes me really believe the next part where it's talking about 20 to 30 kids drawing this. If it is a yeah. mass abduction, they're doing it quickly. Yeah. When you do stuff quickly, you screw up. So the fact that 2030 were all the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So now all of a sudden you're, you're, you're looking at 20 to 30 at the same period of time makes me really think like, okay, that's how that happens. Like it's accidental alien part, uh, the aliens part, but if you're abducting a whole small town or a village at one time, there are probably other people who, you know, maybe fell asleep on the couch and woke up in the chair or, you know, fell asleep in their bed on the left side. But when they got up in the morning, husband and wife were switched sides. True. That, you know, we, we don't have all that evidence or, or information, but all of a sudden it does sound like it's just a mass UFO abduction mm -hmm. in this area. And the fact that they all kind of describe the same thing with that, that, <clears throat> excuse me, that hanger and stuff like that, you know, mm -hmm. It's too too coincidental for that many people. Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't have, like I said, if you had 30 kids drawing this out and 15 of them started and then all of a sudden 15 other kids kind of copied it. But then again, too, like even if they copied it to have detail mm -hmm. that maybe you know, little Johnny's looking at Susie's drawing. So he starts drawing it, but all of a sudden little Johnny's detail matches Stevie's detail that he didn't see. Yeah. The drawing of, it. and all of a sudden his details match this and Susie's match Kaylee's and, yeah. you know, so to me, it just, it sounds like it was a mass abduction and, you know, how many other people, you know, I wonder if any other other people in that area came forward or have come forward or have had some strange occurrences since then. Right. You know, like the dreams and stuff like that. Cause a lot of these people, they start experiencing weird dreams. And then all of a sudden with the weird dreams is when they start to realize like, Hey, something happened that I don't, I don't recall. Right. I mean, I've lost time driving before. Oh yeah. 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 Where you, you know, you're, you're, when you realize where you are, like shit, I don't remember the last how many miles. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I I was driving home from work with one of my buddies, and we were driving from York or from Lancaster to Miners Hall, mm -hmm. and the whole section up 183 from like where you turn off of um, 222 on the 183. Mm -hmm. Like, remember getting off the highway, getting on 183. There's that Redner's gas station over towards Blue Marsh. Yep, yep. We, we don't ever remember passing it. And we used to stop there all the time on the way yeah. home. We don't ever remember passing it. Next thing we remember, we're climbing up 183 going over the Blue Mountain. Oh, crap. That's a Two stretch. Yeah, that's a, that's a good 10, 15 miles. Huh. You know, and not that the amount of time lost was that great i mean it would be logical that we just weren't paying attention while driving at night yeah yeah you know but 
it, it, it does happen. People do lose time. You know, you look at your watch and you say, oh, it's five o'clock. You look at your watch and no, it's actually 730. I need to get going. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm notorious for that because I always get into conversations and I, I yak, 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 yak. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's yeah. it's like midnight. These people got to get to work. Yeah, I think these were all these cases that we talk about here are have a lot of similarities. They all kind of have the same kind of patterns and and uh, well, yeah, similarities. I don't know. I don't know. I, again, it's kind of take it with a grain of salt. You formulate your own opinion. We, you know, we're we're giving you the. Uh, basics of these stories you could look into them further if you all want to that's you know what we kind of encourage but uh yeah there's there's a common theme across all of these so whether or not they're true i don't know but a lot of these happened decades ago i think the the uh credibility is definitely there more in a lot of these cases if they were stuff that happened now, I would probably be more inclined to say, eh, it's probably just bullshit. Somebody's looking for their 15 minutes of fame, whatever. But I don't know. I mean, a lot of these happen during times that shouldn't be shouldn't be talking about this stuff. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. But anyways, um, that oh, go ahead. The Inkley Moore story. Mm -hmm. Um, I I do recall bedtime stories covering it. Oh yeah, I'll um, have to look it up. Yeah, it, it's a pretty well. Um, if you guys don't watch on YouTube bedtime stories, it's a very well done channel. They mm -hmm. do some uh, mm -hmm. some cartoon like backgrounds for some of this stuff, and you know they're focusing on one specific case when they do something like that. So you may find a little more detail in there. You might find some names of people to look up and research. The you know. If you're interested in that, and... yeah, absolutely. I, I please, I, I, we we encourage you guys to do further research on all these topics. Like I said, we 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 try and give you the basics of the stories. I mean, we we and we usually try to keep the show within an hour, but here we are, you know, an hour and a half. But we try and cram as much as we can into the show just to give you guys a, a, like a little taste of these stories. So do some further research, look into these stories more and, and decide for yourself whether or not you think these cases are, are credible or legitimate or, or not, you know, it's totally up to you and your discretion. Um, but again, these were some of the more odd and lesser known stories throughout the world of, of abduction cases. And we really hope that you enjoyed it. And I think our next topic, which will be next Tuesday, right? If we're going to be keeping it in line because we missed last week because of no i thought we were uh, on monday oh yes yes that's right right next monday will be the next show so then after that will be two weeks thereafter but the next next monday 8 30 um we're going to be covering cursed movies cursed horror movies to be more specific yes so, <laughs> Tune in for that, and I'm really looking forward to it because Chad brought it to my attention last week, and I'm like, I was literally getting goosebumps when he was telling me a lot of the topics and a lot of the stories that were involved in this, and I'm really excited to uh, to um, cover these with the next show. So um, 
Tune in next Monday, 8.30, Facebook and YouTube Live. Hopefully we don't have any technical issues. Because uh, I swear to God, if we do next time, then we're, we're done. We are definitely moving to another um, another interface, another another app. Because this, this, this was pissing me off. So, all right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We can, you know, totally appreciate every each and every one of you. Um, we'll see you next next Monday, which would be the fifteenth at eight thirty. Um, cursed horror movies. We will see you then, Chad. See you guys all later. Thank you for joining us. Um, that's about it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Again, thank you guys. We'll, oh, oh, Cindy says show was good from my end. No problems at all. Good, because Great. Facebook and and she's commenting from fa Facebook and yeah. Facebook was the the one that supposedly we lost our connection with, but seems like it worked. All right, everybody, we will see you next week, the fifteenth at eight thirty. Thank you again. Good night.